0: I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Captain's, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa.
1: Hi, I'm Jen. I was born and raised in Scarborough, Ontario, grew up also in Markham, and now living in Ajax, Ontario.
2: And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Holo Hollow podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River.
1: And I'm fortunate to live, work, and play on the traditional land of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and the Mississaugas of the Credit.
0: And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Nishtapag people. In this month of June, Filipino-Canadian Heritage Month, the HALO HALO Podcast will be a host to fellow Filipino-Canadians as special guests. So on today's podcast, we deconstruct leadership and mentorship with our special guest, Jen Barcelona, visiting mm-hmm. us in our HALO HALO Podcast virtual mm-hmm. studios. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Thanks for coming. On. Oh, salama,
2: <laughs> Maraming maraming salamat for coming on today. <laughs> Welcome, Jen, to, again, the HALO HALO Podcast virtual studios. Again, so glad that you are joining us here. As Siggy and I have done in the past, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, where you grew up, and where you locate yourself today. And moreover, tell us your immigration story to Canada. So I know that you told us a little bit in the beginning, in the introduction, but this is a chance to unpack it just a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I was born and raised in Scarborough, Ontario, in the early 80s. Mm. And I'm probably like around like grade two grade. My parents just migrated from Scarborough, like literally Brimley and Steeles, mm. to north of Steeles. <laughs> yes, just to the other <laughs> side. <laughs> just the other side of Steels, Um to Markham, Ontario. And I literally lived out most of my youth and teenage years there. Right. And then... Found my way after finding the level of my life and getting married and settling in Ajax, which isn't too far from Markham or Scarborough either. Or and
2: has a Jolly Bees. Can I and say that has a Jolly Bees now? I'm very, jealous. very jealous. Jealous. Yes. <laughs> I was at Vandermeer Nursery a couple of weeks ago uh, oh, on no the main way. long weekend. And yeah. <laughs> I was like, I said to Michael, I said, Honey, let's go to Jolly Bees. I mm. need some crispy chicken. And I was like, Oh, it's right around the corner from my sister and right around the corner from you, Jen. So how Yeah, and
1: Kuya, there's like this. Okay, so the next time you're
2: in yeah. the area, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Ten minutes down the road from Ajax is this place yeah. called Tito Parlies. Tito Parley's, okay and they specialize in salvanas oh. and sun tribal.
2: Oh, oh mm. I love Kuya, salvanas. You and love a Sun mm. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm going to do that. <laughs> or I will I'm going to test me you and say, t- send, me, yeah. send me the deets and stuff like that. Oh good. Now, mm-hmm. Getting back to your introduction for just a second, too.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You said that you grew up in the 80s in Scarborough, the north right. part of Scarborough. Yeah, That was the time when there were a lot of Filipinos in Scarborough, if I recall. Oh,
1: yeah. That is a time where I knew I belonged to a set Filipino community right. and I knew of other diverse backgrounds and yeah. cultural backgrounds, racial backgrounds, all this or so. It's Garbo at that time was very diverse,
2: very diverse. Mm-hmm. And Same lots with Markham. Of Filipinos. Yeah. Same with
1: South Markham, I should say where right. I was living from, like very diverse neighborhood. And I'm getting that here in Ajax right now, which I'm glad I have two little kids. Yeah. We're exposed to that diversity, which I totally love for them too.
2: Yeah. So couple of follow up questions. In South Markham, Mm -hmm. lots of diversity. Was there also a big Filipino community there in the 80s and 90s? I would say so. Yeah. And then when did you realize that kind of, oh, I'm a minority here? Because I came in the 70s and it was like, whoa, like it's me, three other Filipino families. Everyone's Portuguese and Italian. And it wasn't until like years later, decades later, people behind me and my sisters and my cousins kind of growing up, they had a lot more Filipinos that were around them, right? And in some ways, sometimes I was kind of jealous because I wasn't necessarily surrounded by a lot of Filipinos. And so I knew instantly I was different. When did you know you were different?
1: I learned about being different. Obviously, when you go through like the high school curriculum, Mm -hmm. but I didn't feel I was different until right. I reached college and university.
2: Oh, fascinating. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's where you started to feel different at that point.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. where I really noticed Like I'm in very different spaces that I have not been used to before.
2: When we were talking to a previous guest on the podcast just recently, Jelaine Santiago, she said something very similar where it wasn't until she got to college or university past the 90s that she started to feel different. Similar Mm -hmm. to you, kind of grew up in the same area as well, right? And had a very similar trajectory of sorts. Ajax. Ajax Mm -hmm. used to be a place where a lot of 1.5 second generation even third generation Filipino Canadians are settling. Why do you think that's so? Like I have some theories, but I want to know for <laughs> me, why do you think it's so like, there's a lot of Filipinos kind of settling in that area, which makes sense as to why Jolly Bees has opened up in that area too.
1: All right, one, it's affordability. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, I don't know about now, but like 10 years ago, like my partner and I could legit afford the home that we're in. Right. No problem. You flip yeah. the coin to now, I'm like, That's a problem, but like I think it's affordability. Mm -hmm. I think it's because like I also have like my brother and my sister in law out here, Mm -hmm. and so like my we naturally gravitated to be out east, and same with like my mom now, right? And my dad before he passed away, were able Mm -hmm. to leave Markham and come to Ajax, and we kind of just generally we just followed the family over, right? Because that's on another form of support, yeah. I think too. A part of a lot of folks moving over here or kind of migrating over here. It's just because it's space. Like the lake is right there. Yeah. Like I don't mm. ten minutes down the road, I'm already at Lake Ontario and I'm I'm loving it. Like I'm close to mm. water. I feel a little bit quote unquote at home. Mm.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. That would make total sense. And I hear that. Economics, but also kind of where is the rest of family gathering in yeah. a lot of ways. And so if your family is east or east of the GTA and you lived in Mississauga or Peel region, there's less likelihood that you're going to see them. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. And They're, so- far.
2: They're, fra-
1: <laughs> They're far. They're far. know. They're
2: They're far, right? <laughs> They're far. I love that. Like, Siggy's far. Yeah. He's in Ottawa.
0: You yeah, know.
2: you're far. <laughs> yeah, <He's laughs> even, That's the boonies, as they would say, right? Or that's, that's the hinterland. <laughs> and then your immigration story, and I always say that we settled here because of someone else settling here. Mm-hmm. And so tell us about that.
1: That was totally my parents. So in the 60s, they made a decision that they just they had to leave. Mm -hmm. My dad came first in the early 60s. And I think my mom and my brother followed in either the year after or in 62. I just remember the story being that Kuya and mom literally missed martial law by like a month. Wow. 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 And they literally just uprooted themselves and replanted themselves here. Wow. Right. And because of them, I live, quote unquote, a better life.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. hard to not believe. In, in other mm-hmm. words, it's very true.
1: Do they ever talk yeah. about the martial
2: law or do your parents ever discuss it with you? No. Yeah. They
1: just, like, the most I hear of it is my mom, especially because she, she's still around, is like, it would have been really bad yeah. if they mm-hmm. were still there. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's the extent of it. Yeah. We get more into dialogue around colonization because whenever yeah. that's in the news here. Yeah she starts to open up about what she learned or was accustomed to back home. And we right. try to unpack that too. Yeah. Remember oh, wow. really anything around martial law.
2: You know, I just knew it was martial law, at least with my parents just recently, like this past year, you know, talked about it again with my mom and she had said to me, Anak, when I just started hearing people being beaten or even killed on the streets with like the shutters gone and like oh. lights are down and, all of that stuff, in the middle of Manila. She said it was in that moment that she decided we need to leave this place. We need to leave this country. This is not where we want to be. And so, and I just think to myself, like, lots of generational trauma and Mm -hmm. making sure that we have the space. And it's kind of interesting that it takes almost 40-plus years to kind of finally feel safe to then be able to kind of talk about it with that kind of frankness in a lot of ways. And so... I'm always asking or polling people around do your parents ever talk about the martial law and they're like no <laughs> and I'm not surprised I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not surprised when you say it like what I said that little piece of information that my mom has shared it's like oh that just tells me like how unthinkable and how fearful the environment was which sometimes gets feels a little crazy making for me when people think about the current government and regime that's up and people seem to kind of rewrite history about martial law when it didn't sound so pretty for people that fled the country at the time. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, we're here today, right, to talk a little bit about leadership and mentorship. But before we kind of get into that, we always like to talk a little bit about pop culture. We just want to visit with you in terms of what you've been up to pop culture-wise. The segue that I was going to make was from martial law to the violence of John Wick. (laughs) which is somewhat parallel and appropriate. And I (laughs) just, can I tell you how violent that film was? It's incredibly violent. (laughs) And I couldn't stop watching it. It was a train wreck. And then it made me think to myself, where do you get this Kevlar three-piece suit? I would like a Kevlar <laughs> three-piece suit in some ways, but I have to tell you something though, ever since going back to the Philippines a couple of times before the pandemic, it was like almost every three years, two years I was going back to the Philippines. I would always get some custom made suits made mm. and, the reason why I kind of did that is, is that sometimes I'd have to attend some hearings on behalf of the faculty at the university that, that I'm at. I would put on these suits and Michael would just kind of say, off to battle. You know, because they were kind of like my <laughs> armor of sorts. So when I was watching John Wick 4, I was thinking about it. But have either of you watched John Wick 4? Oh, I think the first one. The hmm. first one?
1: I know they're at 4 already. <laughs> yeah,
2: they're at 4. And apparently he only says 380 words, which I can attest to. He only says 380 words for almost a three-hour film, and I think he got paid an ungodly amount for all of this. And yet it was entertaining, and apparently there's going to be a John Wick universe. Like, there's a spinoff called The Ballerina. With Ana de Armas, right? Yeah, Ana de Armas from it, from Ghosted, and from James Bond, and from Knives Out, and all of this (laughs) stuff. Yeah, so... I'm a little bit kind of shell-shocked from it. I don't know, I got into kind of a shell shock weekend, so I had also watched Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, which was a really heartbreaking story of trying to get this Afghanistan interpreter out of the country since the Taliban had taken over after they were basically evacuating. And I just thought, oh, God, this world that we're in right now, it's filled with violence and people breaking promises and stuff like that. So hopefully, the two of you have much more better things to share pop culture wise. Six, what have you been up to pop culture before? I,
0: I just finished off seasons, is it season five or season, the last season of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Oh, yes. It's at the end of the run, and the last episode just dropped like the other day. But I have to say, the last season, if you haven't been watching it, basically it's about a comedian back in the 50s and 60s who was a wife and she just takes the stage and she has a talent and it's just her journey becoming a comedian and using Mm -hmm. some real-life people like Lenny Bruce as comedians in that. And it's starring Rachel Brosnahan who plays Midge Maisel and her agent played by the lovely Alex Bornstein plays Susie. So they're wrapping it up. Now, the creators are the the Gremlick Girl creators and I never watched Gilmore Girls. I... Wash measle. And it's been fantastic. The ending was great. But in all honesty, there was an episode, if you do watch it, episode six of the season, focused on Susie and Midge. And they have a falling out. And they do, one thing I love, I love jump forwards, about the mm. jump back and forth between the future and the past. And yeah. they did it so deftly at a roast for Susie in the 90s. And they played all this little background information and little p- plot points. And the real... Story about friendship and love, not just Midge Maisel getting her heart broken and being cheated on by her husband, who she still sticks by to till the end, is the relationship between Susie and Midge of their love story and their friendship and how mm-hmm. she was her manager throughout Thick and Thin and they had some rocky pieces. And like episode six had so many cameos, like Darren Chris was in it. Oh, for like t- three I, I minutes, And that. he plays yeah. this cocky actor, and Susie just takes him down ten pegs. And <laughs> it was magnificent. It was really great storytelling. I know that the end, people are comparing, like, the ending is much better than Gilmore Girls was. But mm. the acting was pretty superb. And the episode six, if you guys do watch it, with about Susie's little roast and the history between her and Midge was, like, phenomenal. The acting was, like... Spectacular, and uh, you know you you get to see some great shows. And for this to end its run, and I'm getting emotional because I think Ted Ted Lasso is on the end of its run, and that'll be next week too. So I'll wait. I'll save for that for our next episode. But that's what I've been up pop culture wise. What about you, Jen? What have you been into?
1: I just finished watching season like 43 of Survivor. I can't (laughs) believe that it's
0: season 43. 43. 43. Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: so, that's childhood.
2: (laughs) Oh (laughs) my god!
1: Totally. Two thousand.
2: That's yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> 2000. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have to say, I jumped into 42, and it was mm-hmm. like they changed a whole bunch of game mechanics. And I was like, oh, yeah. "Whoa, oh, yeah. this is a totally different game now than what the I game remember has back changed. in." The game yeah. has totally changed. The game has like
1: changed, and they're concentrating more on like the players come from, how they identify, like what I'm their away. journey has been leading yeah. into the game. Where like before, it'd be like just go play. Sort of, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. I think that's got me rehooked on Survivor because there's a little bit more storytelling behind mm-hmm. the actual person. So that's been interesting. And then I just finished The Story of Us by Catherine Hernandez. Right. She wrote Scarborough. Oh, right. I think she wonderful. wrote a few children's books too. But like, if you want to cry, that's a book to get. Like, it talks right. about motherhood, the living caregiver experience. Yeah. Um, going from like the main character went from. Manila to Hong Kong, and then found their way to Canada. And then just the whole ebbs and falls, everything. I think every chapter I had to put it down, and go for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my goodness>. Yeah. It <laughs> was a great book. Mm-mm.
2: Catherine Hernandez is a hidden gem in our community, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. I don't know why she doesn't have more acclaim from the works that I've seen. And not only mm-hmm. just like her novels and, and her children's books, but she's also done stuff for the independent theater community quite amazing 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 work and you know maybe one day she'll come on our podcast and stuff like that that's a a big oh that sounds like a dreamy (laughs) list. there yeah yeah that's a maybe that's a season seven ask or something like that (laughs) right it sounds like you've been totally hooked on those things Jen and I was gonna say like what brought you back into Survivor 43 or Survivor period back into the franchise
1: really because my husband's been following it (laughs) and I haven't found anything on TV that has been like Striking or yeah. has like caught my attention mm-hmm. for more than five minutes. Yeah, mind you, there's a seven and a nine year old here who hogs the TV. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> right? Of course. I strayed away from Survivor because that's like, oh, it's Survivor's it's just a bunch of games. People yeah. are on an island, they mm-hmm. complain they don't eat, but there's literally food everywhere you look. <laughs> that's oh, right. No. <laughs> right, Stop. like, like, what do you mean? There's no food? There's like a mango tree right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a papaya tree. Yeah, you, know, go, you can go eat Open that. it up. Climate, yeah, exactly. Go fishing. Know? The yeah. ocean's right there. Um, that's right,
2: that's right. But like well, when they
1: started playing in more of like person's journey, then I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I think that's got that got me re-hooked
2: to Yeah, the, why they're the playing the, the game and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Now I think the three of us love games, <laughs> and I know that. There's a lot of games to be played in student affairs. And in Mm -hmm. fact, I learned a lot of social gaming in student affairs. And in fact, that's what the three of us have probably in common is student affairs and how I've come to know both of you, actually. Right. So in our time in housing at Western and Janet, you know, we're you know, let's just say a university in Toronto, right? But not necessarily (laughs) the University of Toronto Mm -hmm. where we've come to know each other is is in student affairs land and stuff like that. And so to just kind of get into our culture capital topic of the week, which is really about leadership and mentorship or mentorship and leadership. But I think before all of that is really kind of where does all of that kind of come from or is housed at any post-secondary institution? It's usually student affairs. Let me ask the two of you, What drew you to student affairs, which is, again, where I found both of you?
1: Yeah, I never thought in my life I'd be working in student affairs. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of
2: people don't think of themselves as that. Like anyone working in student affairs, it's not like they came out of the box thinking, rah, 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 I want to be in student (laughs) affairs, right? I think like you kind of found their way through it or the community found you.
1: Yeah, I thought I was going to go to college and then I found my way into university because Mm -hmm. when application time came in, my mom was defeated when I was just like, I'm not going into nursing. <laughs> and she's a nurse, right? And she's like, What do yeah. you mean you're not going into nursing? I'm yeah. like, Because you came home every night of my childhood complaining about your work. So I don't want to do that. Right, <laughs> right. I know I want to get into a profession that's helping.
2: Yeah. And mm-hmm.
1: then I'm like, So I think maybe social work is the route to go for me.
2: Right, right. And mm. so
1: I, I went to college first and then I went to university. And then yeah. I always thought I'd be working for a nonprofit. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. after school, I worked for the YMCA in employment Mm -hmm. services as an employment counselor, a job developer, eventually found my way to another nonprofit organization called Mm -hmm. Pathways to Education. Mm -hmm. And then that's where working with high school youth and mentoring them through different steps of a college or application process, also with like helping them finding jobs and like working that way. I kind of found my path. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Mm -hmm. And then eventually something opened up down the street at one of the institutions and I landed there. Right. It just so happens that that mentoring program was housed within student affairs.
2: And then born was your career at that point. And then
1: born was my career in student affairs, in post-secondary education. Like who knew? Yeah,
2: I think you don't ever know and you only follow what you're passionate about. And if you were passionate about mentoring, you'll go wherever that is. And if it happens to be housed within student affairs at a post-secondary institution, well, well, there you are. There you and are. then now you've had a storied career in student affairs and you continue to do that work to this day. Mm-hmm. What do other Filipinos say to you when you say, you know, I work within student affairs? Uh,
1: what? <laughs> what, is <that? laughs> what is that?
2: What is that?
1: What is that? What do you mean? Like, unless they've gone through the process of being schooled mm-hmm. here, I think yeah. in North America, there's a sense of that. But, yeah. like, ask my mom, Kuya, what I do. And she thinks I'm in admissions. <laughs> 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 like, I'm not so-and-so is applying t- to help your... Them help them get help, in. <laughs> help them get in. Help them get in. Help them get in. I'm like, okay, it mom. It doesn't work that I, way, mom. I, yeah, the, one, it doesn't work that way. And two, like, that's... Really, not my wheelhouse.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You're not yeah. in the registrar's office. No. Yeah. And I get that our families, especially our titas and titas, don't get what we necessarily do in terms of student affairs, which is okay. I think that they're just happy for us. They're prob- my guess is your mom is happy, still 100%. probably doesn't understand. But truth nope. be told, I don't know that I fully understood what my parents did either for a living. But that's okay. That's okay at, at the end of the day. Sigs, what about you? Like, what drew you to student affairs? I know a, you and I ended up in housing together, but it's, that, that it's, is a part of student affairs.
0: You know what? I just, I saw I wanted to do more and make some other connections. And it was by fluke where I didn't have somewhere to live. Mm. that going into third year at or fourth year at Western and fourth year of of a three-year degree (laughs) where I was looking for somewhere to live. And then for some reason I was an OC Don and I met our friend Tara and we need to find somewhere to live. And, Oh, they said, Oh, there's this new residence. There's an overflow student at Western. There's going to be a residence downtown and hotel. We need people to staff people. And Tara and I got vetted for it. And then, It was just seeing, and I'm going to use Tara as the example, that, you know, I I was watching and listening and sharing with others, you know, it does make a difference. I found peers like Tara and uh, my friend group that i taken away from Western. They were like-minded, and I appreciated the effect they had on people, on helping them find their way. And I think those creating communities and stuff, I think Jen sort of mentioned, and wanting to make connections, those skills... And part of student affairs is something that continues on in my career now. And, and right. I know that I, some people are like, you can't teach that skill, you know, Sig? Like, you have yeah. that. We can teach you other stuff to be a manager, but you have something that is special. I felt like I not learned it, but I was able to hone that skill and learn from my peers in student affairs, which led me to you and our relationship for all that time. But I, yeah. I think that's what brought me in.
2: Yeah, I certainly enjoyed all of the programming and I thought to myself at some point maybe I'll be an event programmer but really it was the fact (laughs) that the programming created a community and I really enjoyed that sense of community. So whether it was in a residence hall, whether it was in some type of mentoring program, whether it was being involved in student club or student politics, it's the fact that I felt like that there was a community there and I felt a sense of belonging and that is something certainly that I was searching for all throughout my formative years in terms of where do I belong and I certainly have a home in student affairs. Jen knows this because I've said this to her at the institution that we both used to be at together. I'm the student affairs professional that never left. I'm the orientation leader that never left. <laughs> you know, I'm still, I'm still in student affairs, I'll never leave. The other thing that continues to draw me into student affairs is the idea of student development, how students constantly evolve and grow, and that this is such an exciting time at this moment, you have the ability to learn as much as you can and become the person you're meant to be. And I love being able to witness that. And so I I feel a lot of privilege sometimes being in doing the work that, that we're doing. And there's many different types of student affairs work, but the work that you've been focusing on, Jen, for most of your student affairs career has been mentorship, and I would say probably leadership to this point. But let's get into that kind of topic of mentorship. What is it? Why is it important and why should it be important to Filipino-Canadian students?
1: Mentorship to me is a partnership, a dialogue between someone and another person and literally just passing on information. But it's not just coming, quote unquote, from a mentor to a mentee. I see it as both ways. You're both Mm -hmm. learning from each other. You're both learning these nuggets of wisdom. Like when it comes to post-secondary education, there's this hidden curriculum Right, And if your parents or someone in your family hasn't gone through post-secondary education, where are you going to get information from? Yeah, you won't. Or how are you going to learn to survive? Like, what's your blueprint? What's your map? You won't. If you don't have anyone, you don't know anyone going into like a big institution like that. Like, I think that's where it's key.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know that story of my nephew, first year university at the University of Toronto, where he didn't know where his anthropology class was did I ever share that story with you I know I've shared it with our listeners so first year university my nephew at the time really introverted we had hoped that he'd go to a university that would kind of bring him out of its shell and it did and I'm proud to say that this June he's going to be convocating at the University of Toronto (laughs) I know so we're really excited and he got seven tickets (laughs) (laughs) which i have to say is not it's not an easy feat to to do and so jordan congratulations for doing all of that because there's a lot of people that want to watch him kind of walk across the stage in any event he looked at his schedule and his schedule said convocation hall, and he was a little distressed because it didn't say the room number and so he calls up his mom who's never been to the university of toronto Mm -hmm. and says go call up nino nino's been there right (laughs) <laughs> so he calls me up and he says, Nino, I don't know where my room is. And I didn't know it was Convocation Hall. And he says, well, did you check it up on Quercus or did you check it up on your mail? Yeah, I've, I've emailed my professor, but no one's gotten him back to me and all of this stuff. And I said, well, what does it say? It says con, right, you know, on his list. And I said, well, isn't that Convocation Hall? And he said, yeah, but I don't know the room number. And I'm like, the building is the room. And he was <laughs> like, I don't get it, yep. Nino. And I'm like, nope, the building is the room. And like Jen's like nodding saying, yep, that is it. That is it. Right. (laughs) And we're all kind of giggling because it's kind of like it seems evident, but it wasn't evident to him, you know. (laughs) And I know my nephew, my nephew probably would have skipped that if I didn't tell him that. He says, well, what door do I need to go to? And I said, any door.
1: Any door. Any door (laughs) will
2: get you in the room. (laughs) And then, of course, he goes He walks in, he was like, oh, I get it now, Nino, right? (laughs) But anyone else that doesn't have, as you say, the hidden curriculum, that hidden knowledge, isn't going to be able to be successful in a space called post-secondary institutional life. Would you you say, Jen? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's the same with my nephew. Like when he started, like he graduated maybe two years ago, but when he started at the institution that both you and I were at at one point, Mm -hmm. I said to him, I was like, Just do me a favor. Just get involved in something. Right. (laughs) Okay. One thing. Like if it's like a student group or if it's a mentoring program, like I just need you to get involved in something because that'll change your post-secondary career, whether you know it drastically.
2: I would agree with you, Jen. And we've said the same thing to my nephews, which is Jordan, you have to at least join two things. While I've said to Luke, (laughs) Luke, you can only join two things.
1: Right?
2: <laughs> but, you know, it is true. You, you learn so much about how people work, how to negotiate, yeah. where the fun places are, where the secret doors to the clubs are, you know, <laughs> and yeah. if you don't have that, if you don't have that type of mentorship and if that doesn't come from your parents, you need to find it from a mentor. But something that I was intrigued by was how you said that mentorship is also bi-directional. I don't think I've ever thought of it that way. Admittedly, I think I've always thought of it as unidimensional. But I think I can say this. I can say this to our listeners. I know, Jen, I've at some points in your life have been your workplace mentor. And mm-hmm. I have indeed learned from you where it's like, this is how the kids are thinking these days. And I'm like, of course they are. Of course, they're thinking like that. And I didn't get that from them. I got that from you, which have helped me do my work and stuff like that. How did you kind of come to that idea that mentorship is a bi directional relationship? It's not just unidirectional.
1: I think it's just seeing it in play, especially through like the programming that I was part of over there. Like it was just just seeing our mentors and mentees react or or interact. It's just Mm -hmm. like they're both learning from each other. Right. I look at like my own. Like folks who I I regard as mentors too. Like I'm constantly learning from them, mm-hmm. but I also know like they're learning little tidbits from the things that I'm spitting out also.
2: Right, right, right.
1: Like it's sort of like mentoring. Mentoring, I would say, is naturally a part of our lives. Like there's a kuya mm-hmm. and an ate that someone will go to for something, right. or a tito <laughs> and a tita that someone mm-hmm. will naturally gravitate to when they're. When they don't want to tell like ma- Nanai and Tatai what's go- really going on, right? Or yeah. like there's a Nino or ninong out there that you're you're going to go to for something. Right. And I think like I'm a Ninang also to a couple and like I learned so much from them also. Yeah. <laughs> like how they're navigating parenthood. It's like, wow. Like I wish I had that five years ago. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it would have helped or it would have eased. It would have helped. Yeah, You know, or the burden might not have felt so much or you might not have wasted as much time or would have gained more time sure. if you yeah. had that mentorship or, or extra information in a lot of ways. I think a really surface level understanding of mentorship is about kind of passing on information, but it's more than that. It's actually getting coaching. It's sometimes getting encouragement. Sometimes it's actually sitting and witnessing someone kind of go through a change and discovering a change of sorts. I think also, too, mentorship is kind of, it helps people that have not been in spaces before have access to spaces. I'm wondering if you can speak to us about that, right, and how mentorship also gives access or provides equity to people that might not have been given equity or opportunities.
1: I can, oh, I don't even know what example to pull out. Mm. Yeah. Any, mm. any
2: example, any example, too.
1: Well, I'll talk to one that's near and dear to my heart. So, like, there are, Obviously at a lot of post-secondary institutions, there are student groups. Right. And typically they hone in an identity, which is amazing. But year over year, it's turnover in, in new student leaders. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes that results in starting up in different ways, shapes or forms, or like values of groups changing. And so part of the program that I was running allowed for equity groups to be formed. Right. And so being the manager of that program, And also like doing the research around Philippine X students Mm -hmm. and their success rates or retention rates through post-secondary, like having that data, allowed me to tell the story that one of the groups should be a Philippine X group.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: So that it would be housed more on the student affairs side. It'd be something that was more affinity. There would be long lasting contributions of resource to it. Mm -hmm. And this is something that would live on. Yeah. So that Philippinex students can gather and build community and yeah. also again learn about that hidden curriculum
0: yeah. at that yeah.
1: institution and also get connected with the other Philippine X staff and faculty on that campus.
2: Right. Right. Because
1: it's one thing for mom and dad to say, just study hard enough. You can do it enough. You got this. We believe in you. And right. it's another thing to hear, this really sucked. Yep. This was really hard. <laughs> This is how I navigated it. Yeah. And I know you can too. Yeah,
2: The idea of, yeah, I was subjected to casual racism. Mm -hmm. And you can either complain about it in official ways or you can out-navigate it. That's right. You know, in this way and stuff like that. And I know you pulled me into that program, Jen. And so and I'm glad to have participated (laughs) in that program and passed on some of the generational wealth that I know that you had said come on, Kuyajaz, pass on some of that generational wealth to some of these Philippinex students, and I was glad to be able to do that. And I guess that that's another way of kind of thinking about mentorship is passing on the wealth, whatever that might be, whether it's information. It's not necessarily about financial wealth. It's more about kind of the hidden knowledge, that hidden curriculum. I love that idea of like passing on the hidden curriculum. Now, something that you just kind of mentioned was kind of leadership. And I know that that has been in recent couple of years for you a focus in terms of your own work in student affairs. Tell us what's your theory on leadership and why should it be important in the learning of university and college students?
1: Yeah, for me, my, I don't know, the type of leadership that I kind of lead with is servant leadership. I'm not the type of person who will lead from the front with my team. I tend to lead from behind. Right. That is like listening to my team, figuring out where the gaps are, figuring right. out what resources that they need and then trying to get those resources so right. that I can carve that path for them to do the work that they need to do. And that hopefully trickles down to excellent programming that folks can get into
0: yeah. or
1: uh, students can get involved in yeah. while they're with, with us over the, the past, how many years it is for them when they study. But like, I don't think leadership necessarily means that you have to also lead something. Yeah. Like,
0: I I think leadership
1: can also be, hey, you're in first year, just get involved in something because then that hopefully can open up doors for you. Like, again, I'll go back to my nephew when I Mm -hmm. asked him, like, hey, just get Mm -hmm. involved in something Mm -hmm. that hopefully can change the trajectory of your career. Because when I went to university, I didn't get involved in anything. Right. I avoided the crowds. I didn't even go to my own orientation week and look where I'm working, right? Like, (laughs) look what I'm doing. Right, like yeah. I was the person who went to lecture and who went to study, and that was it. I left campus, yeah. But whenever was... my alumni office calls asking for a donation, I ignored them because the reality is I didn't get anything out of y'all except for like that piece of paper. Thank yeah. you, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I got I... involved, I probably would have made more connections, had a sense of like community and belonging right. to, to that institution, and my career probably would have been looked very different,
2: yeah. I, and so my I,
1: nephew, my nephew Kuya, who literally took my advice, mm-hmm. like, he blew it out of the water. Like, at one point, Siki, like, I would yeah. I would log on, and I would see him on the banner. Oh, on, my gosh. That's amazing. Like, the website. And I'm like, when I said get involved, I didn't mean don't be, like, the the picture. Like, <laughs> you don't need to be
2: the poster child. You know, right? yeah. Oh, like, my
1: gosh. It came to a point. Every, every single publication, I would see him in something, and I'm like, dude, like, I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> oh my god.
2: Well, I, I have to love say it. I love it. then your nephew's like I mean not that he wasn't Filipino but that's so Filipino, right? It's to be <laughs> Filipino is to be extra in a lot of ways. That's right. That's extra. right. <laughs> so extra. I love your nephew At- already. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and same with my niece. Like she's entering second year? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was just like just get involved in something. Right. Like yeah. just, just one thing. Just like, one thing, yeah. Just one
2: you, thing. I would say I know that all of the learning and leadership, I didn't learn them necessarily from classes, even if the classes were focused on leadership.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I learned them actually being on the rowing team, being an orientation leader, being an editor of a university paper at one point. Like all of these different things led to, you know, who I am and as you say, made me more connected Made me have networks, made me understand the value of, of social capital and social currency. And that helped me kind of navigate and create the success that I have today, in my life outside of the Hollow Hollow podcast studios. I would agree with that advice. And I actually, I've said to my nephews and my nieces two, but I think one is probably more realistic because, you know, they're there to be students too as, as well. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you this question around leadership is, I love that idea of being a servant leader. But I also think to myself, the more that you're a servant leader, people see you helping them, which sounds very Filipino to me too, because that's the type (laughs) of leadership I do is a lot of servant leadership. I find what that also does is it creates a lot of relationship power and relational influence. Do you find that too, that as you continue to be a servant leader, you gain a lot of social goodwill, social influence, relational authority? So listeners, Jen's nodding her head. Tell us, tell us why you're agreeing.
1: <laughs> I'm nodding so much. I think it's because folks start to trust you more. Mm-hmm. And once they trust you as a leader and they see they see that you're just more than words. Right. Mm-hmm. They also want to perform more. Yeah. They also want to hit outcomes more. When you all have a common goal and they also know that you're working towards that common goal alongside with them or you're help pushing that. Yeah. Not that you're just leaving them yeah I think that speaks volumes yeah to the folks that I've been able to to work with over yeah. the past few years
2: like people want to know that their leaders care
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know providing them support providing them service is part of that caring and they're willing to work harder as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned siggs I know recently you've been coming into that position of leadership as well but like how do you intersect with what jen is saying and what we've
0: been describing i'm just i've been nodding myself too i'm like oh these are really good points and i just the thing that you bring about is leading from behind i think i always heard of this phrase you know you don't have to flex your muscles to show people how strong you are mm. right and mm. sometimes in that sense like letting people shine and do that like we know that we have the skills i don't need to demonstrate all that time and when it comes in The key times, I'll be able to demonstrate it without having to do it with such a flourish. I like that concept about leading from behind sometimes or beside and being shoulder to shoulder. Or being the shoulders that they stand on to... um to elevate themselves. Like you've given me a lot in my head. I'm like, I'll oh, think about my kids and the ideas about leadership and mentorship that you sort of presented. But I agree with you. I think leadership isn't always the front and center. It's giving that um, support from behind. I, I think that's really key. I, I think people think that it's, it's always a center stage type of item, but it, it certainly is not an effective leader. It certainly is not just that.
2: I think everything that we've been talking about means getting support comes from getting it from leaders from above, but also from your community. And around, which is kind of how I think about how mentorship and leadership kind of come together. And that listeners of the Hollow Hollow podcast know that we've really referenced otters and the wisdom of otter and hooking up with them and to create a raft to help overcome adverse circumstances or stormy weathers. And Jen, I think that this is like the first of many conversations that you have to have with the Holo Holo podcast because I Mm, think there's much more that our listeners can learn around these two topics of leadership and mentorship. So please promise us that you'll come back. back. I can't wait for that. So I I think we should leave this off is on kind of what you've been talking about, Jen, that mentorship is really about passing on the wealth as a way of understanding the hidden curriculum. So Mm. I think for Filipino Canadian Heritage Month, I would say pass on the wealth and do it any way you can, right? Whether it's through mentorship or leadership. So
1: mm-hmm.
2: anything else to add to that before Siggy takes us out?
1: Well, I'll just use this opportunity, Kuya, to thank you. Like you legit were my mentor at my time over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Siggy was so funny. It's like, this dude is Filipino. I'm just going to gravitate to him. How can you not? can you not. not? And just like, he's going to have Jen we, is hugging. Jen is hugging the camera. <laughs> like,
2: in, thank you, Thank you, Jen. <laughs> Thank he's you just ten. going
1: to deal with me until, you know, so who knows when. <laughs> well,
2: I, you know what? You have me for life. Like, I think mentorship <laughs> is a relationship for life as far as I'm for concerned. Sure. And so I'm invested in you and I know you're invested in me, right? Just as much as I'm invested in SIGS and SIGS is invested. In exactly. Me. Mm-hmm. And this is all about kind of like helping the next generation. So, yeah, that's kind of what I think about. I think about kind of helping the next generation, which is why I think It's so fitting and appropriate of passing on the wealth. So thanks so much, Jen. And thanks so much for helping us out on the podcast. Sigs, I think that takes us to the end. So take us out.
0: Jen, share your socials so we can put it in our show notes and people can know more about you and engage with you. And if they have any questions about mentorship and leadership.
1: No problem. You can find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at kujen22
0: hollow hollow podcast you can contact us at our gmail account which is at hollow hollow pop culture at gmail.com we're on social media our twitter handles at hollow hollow pop and we're on instagram also at hollow hollow pop culture
2: finally we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth badian our musical theme is by cheltz ringan we'll see all of you guys again real soon
0: see you guys soon okay ajax jolly b the three of us let's go mm-hmm. all right let's go <laughs> <laughs>